0: Welcome to the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. Okay, question for you. Do you pee when you run? How about when you jump or lift a heavy weight? That's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. Is this normal? Is it inevitable? How common is it? What to do about it? Is there anything you can do about it? On today's episode, I have Hannah Ross, who is a pelvic floor physiotherapist from Canada on the podcast, and she's going to be answering all of these questions for you. Welcome to the Fitness Simplified podcast, Hannah. Hannah Ross is joining us today. She is a Toronto based pelvic floor physiotherapist. So happy to have you here, Hannah. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Awesome. So I'm sure some people just listening to that were thinking she's a who'sie wetsy. What, <laughs> what is a pelvic hey, what floor? Now? A what now? <laughs> what is a pelvic
1: floor physiotherapist? So, I'm so glad you asked. I had no idea before I became a pelvic floor physiotherapist. <laughs> um, so I'd like to say we're the gynecologists of physiotherapists. So um, the pelvic floor is actually, there are five, five layers of muscles within your pelvis and um, pelvic health physiotherapists or pelvic floor physiotherapists are physiotherapists who get trained to assess them but you assess these muscles either internally, vaginally or rectally. So they're not, it's, it is um, an additional training that you have to take after becoming a physiotherapist.
0: Got it. Now, how is a physiotherapist different <laughs> than a physical therapist?
1: So, okay. So one is in Canada and one is in the States and they're the exact same thing. Although the training for, uh, in Canada is a master's degree and the training um, in this United States is a doctorate at this point
0: got it got it so how did you get into this line of
1: work um, I got into it I, I think most of us I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be presumptuous here and say you and you yourself included um, we kind of get into our line of work because we experience the benefits ourselves right mm. um, we we I personally was having um, pelvic pain. I have four kids. Um, and between- How old are your kids? <laughs> uh, ten, eight, four, and just two months. Wow. Oh, I got a little baby at home right now. Um, and so between babies uh, two and three, I was having a lot of pain. And um, a very good friend of mine who is um, a physical therapist as well, had just gotten trained in pelvic physiotherapy. And she was like, come on, like, let me, you gotta let me assess you. I'm telling you, I'm going to help you. And I was like, you're going to do what? (laughs) And um, I went to my doctor and I had ultrasounds done. I had a whole bunch of tests done. And my doctors basically said to me, everything looks normal. Nothing's wrong. But I felt not, I did not feel right. And I was experiencing Mm. a lot of pain. And so um, I ended up like giving it a shot. I went to my friend. I was like, "Okay, try it," and it it came literally changed my life. It changed my life not only because I wasn't in pain anymore, um, but because it empowered me. It gave me, you know, I, I felt like my body was out of control, and all of a sudden I was like, "Okay, th- there's a reason for this, and I can fix this." And there are steps I can take um, in order to do in order to feel better. And then once I felt better, I was like, "You know what? I want to do this for other people." Um, and so I went through the training and started seeing clients.
0: Got it. So, what are some of the common issues or um, problems you help women to deal with as a pelvic floor physiotherapist? Tell us some of the some of the things that you deal with.
1: So, I think um, some of the most commonly understood ones are uh, urinary incontinence, so leaking, leaking when you're. Um, some people are like, "Well, you know." I don't, I don't leak. I only leak when I mm. really have to go to the bathroom and I'm jumping on, the, on a um, jumping on a trampoline with my kids and I also mm-hmm. cough. But that's actually uh, leaking of urine at any point in time when you're not basically sitting on the toilet ready to release that urine is considered incontinence. Got it. Um, uh, pelvic organ prolapse, which is when um, some of your organs are not sitting where they used to. So um your pelvic floor muscles actually hold up your bladder your uterus and your rectum and intestines and if any of those um any of those are kind of sitting lower so um some some women will describe it as feeling like there's a tampon um in there kind of sitting out of place um feeling like they're they they pee and then they stand up and they're like oh i can pee again like their bladder it almost like the urethra get, gets kinked so when they're mm-hmm. they move positions a little bit more urine can come out um and sometimes pelvic organ prolapse can actually go undetected so you don't know that you have it mm-hmm. unless um unless you get assessed and then you know a, little, a couple years down you know Women in their 50s, 60s are often getting bladder lift surgeries and hysterectomies to rectify this, and those are actually preventable um, conditions. This, this, the surgery itself is preventable. Yeah, if you strengthen the muscles and you keep use like muscles like any other, right? Use it or lose it. So, um, the these muscles help with sexual function as well. So, a lot of women um, describe either after. Either after having babies or even before, with a lot of intense, vigorous workouts, they they find that they have pain with sex. Mm -hmm. Pain with sex is not normal.
0: Mm -hmm. It's very treatable. So we treat that. Got it. A lot of people feel they (laughs) don't. That's a whole lot of things you help with, then. Yeah. Yeah. and, And you know what's so interesting is that most people don't know that you exist. Exactly, exactly. And what we're trying
1: to, to, to you know,
0: I, I feel like because we, we do such
1: important work, it's incumbent upon us to have these talks and speak openly about this stuff so that yes. we know that there is help out there.
0: Yeah, and you know, there are things that not everybody's like out there talking to other people yeah. about. And so I think that's yeah. part of the reason um, that, you know, a lot of people don't know about you because it's not the kind of things that the kind of thing that's going to come up at a party or like with your neighbor right. at the bus stop, you're not talking right. about these issues, right? Um, <laughs> like you, like you would they kind of whisper in
1: like in hushed tones about exactly. it with your friends. You exactly. Know, if, if, that, if, at all, right? if at
0: all, if at all, if at all. And yeah. so the reason I reached out to Hannah to talk about this with her today is that I speak to so many women and I've had this experience as well, that as part of our fitness routines, leaking is just, is part of what happens whether we're running or jumping or lifting heavy weights and it feels like well this is just how it is and that's what I want to talk to Hannah about today is that just how it is and what can be done about it if it's not and so that's kind of where this discussion is heading guys so stay tuned if you're wondering what (laughs) what the heck is happening (laughs) happening? (laughs) That's, that's how this discussion came about today so, Hannah, help us understand a little bit more about what the pelvic floor is and how okay. it is supposed to work. So, like I said, there's, there are five layers of muscles that
1: attach at the base of the pelvis. So, um, the pelvis is kind of these beautiful butterfly-shaped bones that are connected side to side. So, there's a right side and a left side, and they meet at the back of the sacrum. Um, and the sacrum is the very low part of your, of your low back, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, and... They, they have five jobs, and we've kind of alluded to them already. They have a sexual function. They have a supportive function. So they hold up all your organs. Uh, they have a, a role in continence. They have a role in actually pumping blood back up to your heart. And they're actually part of your inner core muscles as well. So okay. when we talk about the core, most people are usually referring to your six-pack muscles, your rectus mm-hmm. muscles, or your obliques. But there mm-hmm. are actually four layers of abdominal muscles. And your innermost abdominal muscle, your transversus abdominis, actually works together with your pelvic floor muscles, which we just kind of talked about, that are sit inside the pelvis like a bowl. They work with your diaphragm, your breathing muscle, and your innermost back muscles. And those four muscles, so um, pelvic floor, diaphragm, inner abs, and inner back muscles, work together like, um, like a system to support your low back, support your continence help with your breathing, and work with all those other pelvic floor muscle rules. So I'm going to paint a picture for you here. So work okay. with me. Let me know if it's unclear. Okay. Your diaphragm muscle is actually like an upside-down u shaped and it sits at the base of your ribs. Okay. So right above your, 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 uh, your stomach and your abdomen. Got when it. you take a breath in, it actually descends down and becomes either flat or almost like a, turns into a U-shaped muscle. Okay. Does that make sense? So you inhale mm-hmm. and your, your lungs actually expand and make room for, your, for air and your diaphragm pushes down out of mm-hmm. position to make room for that. And it pushes down into your abdomen and pushes down onto your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor descends. Mm-hmm. So they work in synchrony. When you exhale, your diaphragm springs back up and so does your pelvic floor muscles. That's how they should work. You inhale and everything descends, you exhale and they spring back up. Um, and when you exhale, your inner abs actually get, you, they um, turn on. So your your transversus abdominis contracts when you exhale. Mm-hmm. So what should happen in an ideal system is that you have support on the inhale, you have support on the exhale, and there's never, it's a, it's a pressure system. So there should yeah. never, the pressure should always be um, managed either by And on an exhale, what happens with leaking is that that is a clue that your pressure system has failed you. Ah, Totally treatable. Of course, that's why we're we're, we're talking about it. But it's very common. um, What I see in in athletes and women after after children um, is that they use improper um, breath holding or pressure system techniques. So um, I think a myth that's been, you know, if you think that people don't talk about pelvic physio enough, what often gets talked about is kegels, yes. or, you know, or never lift heavy again yes. or, you know, stop, stop running because you're, it's mm-hmm. going to harm your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And what I want people to understand is that this is strength training and it's endurance training. Um, and we have to, there's a specificity principle here. We have to specifically train the pelvic floor for the activity that you're trying to do. So, so what, is, if what leaking, is it that
0: causes yeah. the, the, this um, pressure system to break down in the first place? So I'm, I'm assuming there are varied reasons? Yeah, 100%. The answer is always, it depends, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be a,
1: I'll be a broken record with that one. But um, often it's overuse of pelvic floor. So... Um, all we've ever t- been told is kegel 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 but um like i mentioned before there's actually a system in place so your pelvic floor muscles are are similar to your bicep muscle if you overuse your bicep muscle if you contracted your bicep muscle all day long and never released it it wouldn't be very functional and wouldn't be helpful to you mm-hmm. right right in order to do your next bicep curl you have to release that curl mm-hmm. and then start again and in the the pelvic floor, for, tho- for those people who are actually aware of those muscles, because many people are not only not aware, which is why we do the internal assessment, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're often Kegeling incorrectly, mm-hmm. or not at all, or they're in such a persistent Kegel, they don't know how to release that Kegel. Oh. So what we find more often, and especially in, um, in our athletes, is that... Um, we just kind of, you know, when you, as women, we kind of just suck it up and move on, whether our bodies yeah. are working or not. And one of the first places um, to just kind of clench and move forward with is actually your pelvic floor. Mm. Um, it, and, and again, it's not necessarily within conscious awareness, So which is why we do that assessment. So we can teach somebody, well, you feel this, this is actually over you this is that's, you're actually contracted right now women think oh my pelvic floor is weak well once you're going to contract the position you can't contract
0: anymore so it's not necessarily weak it's fully it's over- contracted and it's yeah. tight and yeah. overused. exactly exactly got it got it so what to do about it then go see a public health physio or physiotherapist
1: or physical therapist whatever it is you you uh you call it but one of the first things you can actually do is start to work on some diaphragmatic breathing. Now, I say this and I say this hesitantly because, um, what gets taken away from this is well, the you know, pelvic floor is to just do breathing. I don't want to do breathing, I want to go and work out hard in the gym. Mm-hmm. But as we know, breathe- breathing technique is really important for optimal strength training and optimal mm-hmm. optimal fitness, right. Absolutely. And what we find a lot is that a lot of our athletes are using their, are doing kind of an upper chest breath. They're yeah. not allowing. So they, um, your chest in order to take in a proper full oxygenated breath should actually move laterally. It should move front to back and up and down. So if you feel, if you put your hands on the sides of your chest and you take in a breath, you should feel your, your rib cage expand. Um, 360 degrees and up Mm -hmm. and down slightly. And I like to say it should be 80% to the side, 10% front to back and 10% up and down. What we find is that many people are actually breathing mostly up and down.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We're almost in that, that stress response, that that fight or flight response, even when we're exercising. Yeah. And that doesn't allow that, that inner core stability system um, to participate as part of this exercise. And so you're not only you're are you reducing some of that stability, but you're rendering your pelvic floor um, at, at not to non-participate, and you're also putting yourself at risk for low back pain, persistent hip pain, all those things. We have some studies that say that um, between eighty-five and ninety-five percent of women who are assessed for low back pain actually have pelvic floor dysfunction, which is a crazy stat. That is, yeah. So is for sure, if we focus on proper inhale, exhale technique during our, our exercise, um, that's an awesome place to start.
0: Okay. That sounds like something that people could easily do. So you're saying they should practice breathing in that manner you just described yeah. Yeah. out to the side, 80%, front to back, you said 10%. Yes. And then up and down 10%. Yeah. And okay. I, uh,
1: you know, that's not for our rep max. So if you're, if you're lifting heavy, there's a right. different breathing technique to use. There is some, some breath holding. But what I find is that many, um, many of our athletes are actually using a breath holding technique for really minimal um, weightlifting. You know, your body should be dynamic. There should be a different technique. You shouldn't use the same um, technique to lift a pencil as you should to lift a car. Right. Right. And we're finding right. that people just have, they've got, you know, they're one trick ponies. They have one. You know, one mm-hmm. lifting technique, and, and we it should be varied. There should be something different for a lighter lift versus heavier lift.
0: So, if a woman is finding that she is leaking urine and yeah. is hearing this and saying like, "Oh, it really, it really is treatable. Like, it's not okay that I'm leaking at all," because a lot of us do think, "Well, like you said, I don't really leak just when you know X, right. Y, and Z." So, yeah. if she decides she would like to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist, physiotherapist, um, what can she expect at that appointment? Good. I love this question.
1: Um, because people are very nervous to go see yeah physio, right? Um, first of all, I'm gonna, just going to say off the bat, it is the role of physio to make sure that you feel comfortable, right? We understand the hesitancy because mm-hmm. most of us have been there, right? Most of us have actually needed pelvic physio in this. Um, so it is the job of the physical therapist to actually make you feel comfortable comfortable and um there is an internal component but actually the majority of what we talk about uh, of what we do at at an appointment is actually talk because there are a lot of lifestyle factors that what we talk about how much water you're drinking constipation we talk about your um gynecological history your urological history your um your physical history so um we do a lot we watch you if you're coming in because you're leaking when you squat, we're going to watch you squat. If you're leaking when you're running, we're going to watch you run. We're going to assess your, your muscles externally. Um, and the, the part that people are hesitant about, is actually the internal component. Sure. And what I'll say is it's actually, I, I, you know, I joke, we're the gynecologist, a physical therapist, but mm-hmm. um, it's very different. There's no speculum involved. Um, if you're having pain, it's our job to get rid of the pain. So if, you know, we, we put on gloves, It's a, what we put on lots of lube Mm -hmm. and it is only with a client's consent that we actually assess you internally. And if something hurts, it's our job to get rid of that pain and to teach you how to get rid of that pain before moving forward with the rest of the assessment. So if the entrance is painful, we're not going to move forward and and assess more. We're going to help you get rid of that pain first.
0: Got it.
1: Well, that's reassuring for people to hear. (laughs) Sure
0: no one wants to think about being in pain, especially no, there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And most people are just like, okay, just get it over with, but that's not the job of a the physical therapist. We're not just going to get it over with. It, it gives right. us a lot of information. If something hurts, we're it. that, that's where we start. That's our, that's our, you know, our first uh, job is to get rid of the first thing that hurts and then move for, move on and move forward.
0: And then what are some of the common treatments that you, that you approaches that you take with people? If they are, let's say that they, um, that they leak when they run and they work out? Like what are some of the common treatments that people can expect? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to figure out how can we get you running without leaking? Mm -hmm. So we want
1: to keep you in your sport. So that may mean running for a little bit shorter time. That may mean running a little bit lower intensity for a short time. Um, That may mean um, running with a different technique. Um, Mm. But we're going to look at, you know, at your goals and we're gonna figure out how to get you there. A lot of things that that um, will happen is sometimes, if there are tight muscles, uh, you'll probably be given some exercises to release them. Sometimes those are yoga poses. Sometimes it's breathing techniques. More often than not, it's breathing techniques. Um, and there's sometimes some internal release component. So we'll teach you how to release those muscles, how to find them and how to release them. Okay. But there's often also, well, you know, a lot of the times, um, our clients who leak are not drinking at all. And dehydration is um, one of the number one causes of bladder irritation. Really? Yes. So we're going to make sure you're drinking enough and we're going to make sure you're drinking it properly. So a lot of women will chug uh, their water and that actually causes a stretch response in the bladder and you pee out a lot of that water. So your body can remain dehydrated, even though you've, you've just chugged, Mm -hmm. you know, a liter of water. So, um, we make sure that we're, you know, you're, we, we will kind of do some, a bladder diary um, and see how often are you going to the bathroom? Are you peeing during your exercise routine? Because by the way, not normal as well, right? If you have to leave in the middle of your, um, of your workout to uh-huh. go pee,
0: your bladder is not doing its job or the muscles are not doing its job, their jobs. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting to me that what you just said about dehydration, because I think um, that, I mean, I've, this is an issue I have struggled with when I lift heavy. Um, I've actually, have you heard about like the icon underpants, like that you can buy to, so that yep. when you do wet yourself working out, like to me, yeah. this is, this is what I did. Like, I just, I just bought yeah. those and I do have sure. to, I do have to go to the bathroom right before I deadlift. And so for me, I try not to drink very much because I don't right. want to, right. I don't want to be more susceptible to wetting myself right. when I'm, when I'm lifting but and you're, that you're saying that's a problem. You're saying yes. Ed, that that's a problem. 100%. So I think that a lot of us would think like, okay, I should probably stop drinking so much. And right. that's the opposite oh, that of what it. we should be doing. Yeah, right. Your muscles need
1: water to function well. Another thing that's that's um, that often doesn't get talked about a lot is constipation. Constipation causes a lot of incontinence.
0: Wow.
1: If you're, if you're constipated, um, number one, you're probably not drinking enough water. Um, but number two, that 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 affects this whole system because the rectum is part uh, is one of those mus- one of those organs, sorry, within that pelvic bowl, and if that's adding pressure an- anteriorly onto the bladder, um, that's going to affect your whole system. Constipation is also often caused by tight muscles. So if the muscles in your anus aren't able to relax properly, you're not going to fully evacuate properly, and that causes a backup
0: in the whole system. Interesting. Okay, so there's so many factors affecting that yeah. that we think probably would have never occur to us that this is that this is part of the issue. Absolutely. Okay, and so are there things that women can work on at home as far as techniques that they can be practicing at home?
1: So one of my favorite uh, um, devices, we'll call it, is called the Squatty Potty. Have oh, you heard of I've it? heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you so, like that. So, I mean, I'm not promoting the squatty potty per se, although I do love it and I do own hips. But one of the things about the squatty potty is that the way that we sit on the toilet here in North America um, is, not, is not the way that our bodies were designed. So when your knees are higher than your hips, that actually puts the pelvic floor muscles into a lengthened position. So if you suspect, number one, that you do have tight pelvic floor muscles... Um, Deep squat that um, is a really great position to actually learn to relax those muscles. But you need to relax them as well in order to evacuate fully. So, putting your feet up either on a stool um, in the bathroom or even coming up onto your toes is a really, it's one of my favorite uh, tools and tips to give people so that we're actually avoiding fully. Okay. You should not be breath holding and bearing down on the toilet. Really, you should be able to. Yes, that's that is not how we. That's that is an improper pressure technique. That's bearing down. Wow, I who knew? <laughs>
0: that's stunning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so drinking more water, um, making sure we say about two liters a day, but. Um, I know it's in the in the states. You guys go work on ounces. I've got nothing for you on the ounce.
0: Yeah, that's but. okay. We, you know, we you know, often J. we still do liters as okay, far fun. as drinking Good. because as far as drinking, because like you know, soda is sold like that. You know, like we know okay, what fun. a two liter bottle of soda looks like. Perfect, so. perfect. Um, <laughs> not that they should be drinking those that that was exactly. in soda, but
1: <laughs> so sipping water throughout the day um, and making sure that you're not chugging um, and trying to ensure that you you know one of the things that we um, Let me say, is count your count how long it takes you to pee when you first get up in the morning. So, um, there's a very high, high brow, high tech technique that I use in order to do that. And you can either um, count in Mississippi's or 1000s.
0: And so and you're saying actual the stream of urine. You want to yeah. know how long that is. How long does it
1: take? And that's actually an indicator for you how, what a full bladder
0: is for you. As long as you're not urinating
1: during the night. If you go the whole night without peeing and you get up in the morning and you urinate, see how long, how many Mississippis, how many 1000s, and be consistent with how you, how you assess it. But see how long that, that uh, it takes you to fully evacuate in the morning. And that gives you an indication of how full your bladder should be when you have to go to the bathroom. Because what I find is, especially when when um, my clients are worried about um, leaking, is that they start to do this thing where they pee all the time. They just in case it, just in case, just in case. I'm going yeah. go now, just in case, just in case, just in case. Um, and we should really just just be urinating about six to eight times a day. And so all these preventative measures start to take up a lot of time. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to the bathroom all the time. You're going to the bathroom during your exercise. You're going right before, um, and it starts to take over your life when. Really, if you just saw a pelvic health physical therapist, you could probably, you know, let's say four to eight sessions could be dealt with. And then you can go it. the rest of your life. Oh,
0: that's so interesting. Very often. Okay. And so you're saying that however long it takes you in the morning, however many Mississippis, that when you go to the bathroom during the day, if it's not taking close to that long, that you you really don't need to go into the bathroom right then and you're, you're, saying, you're often not yeah you're not you're not paying a full bladder what should
1: happen is um you should fill up your bladder your bladder sends a signal to your brain your brain sends a signal to your pelvic floor and you release and you go to the bathroom right once your bladder is full that's when you should get that signal that you have to go to the bathroom um, and
0: what's the harm in going too much are you saying that there is or are you saying it's just a lifestyle issue well, the harm is there's
1: actually, then you're, you're mistraining this whole system, right? The Got system it. Is, in, is in place to help you. Right. Um, and what you don't, you don't want this, you don't want your bladder to be sending mis- incorrect signals, right? When it's a, a, right. a quarter full, you're getting a signal that you feel you have to pee. Um, and it's totally retrainable. It's actually one of my favorite things to retrain because it's so simple and easy.
0: That is really interesting. And you retrain it by having people wait until they yeah. can have the number of Mississippis that well, they're getting in the morning.
1: What, what often happens is, you know, if you're going 30 Mississippis, I'm just choosing a number here, so don't think that's right. what you have to do. But right. if you're doing 30 Mississippis first thing in the morning, and then you're doing two every hour throughout the day, yeah. that's, that, that is not, that's, that's an indication that your bladder is sending that signal way too early. Right, because we know you can go thirty. So what I'll often have them do is just wait five minutes from the time that you feel you have to pee,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and distract yourself, and uh-huh. then walk slowly to the washroom and go uh, and you can urinate. Um, and what happens is your brain just starts to say like, "Oh, okay, it wasn't actually, that wasn't actually a correct signal," and it, it can get retrained fairly quickly
0: got it and so they go through that until it extends to a time that's more yeah we should be going every two yeah every two hours
1: or so is probably two hours unless you've had like coffee or something um that's a diuretic or a bladder irritant
0: got it got it well that is fascinating (laughs) (laughs) who knew I'm learning a lot here personally today (laughs) so we're gonna have great dinner conversations at my house tonight. <laughs> my teenagers are gonna love this, <laughs> but we gotta start teaching them
1: young because what what happens is that you know later on in life we're all we're all accepting this as status quo and it should right, be right a hundred percent It should not be. We should be asking for more. We should be saying you know when we when we go to our doctors when we go to our, you know when we when we're chatting amongst ourselves we're like oh yeah I don't you know I after women have babies, they're like, well, I haven't had sex because it's so painful. Well, that's not normal. We, should, we right. should deal with that. You know, well, what did you expect? You had a baby. Of course you're going to pee. No, that's not normal. I expect
0: more. We should be expecting more. And you can expect more. Yeah. And so would you say it's accurate that all of these issues are common, but they don't have to be normal? Exactly. Exactly. And but it, it comes um, from for
1: different reasons sometimes, right? We're simplifying mm-hmm. here,
0: but we absolutely, they're treatable. They're treatable. That is so important to know because it yeah. just feels kind of like we have to find ways to manage it. Like I said, that like, you know, this the special underwear and yeah, and stuff that you know, and they have Boys has like
1: amazing, the, you know, amazing commercials out now where women are yes. laughing and dancing, but they're wearing their poise. Well, they can be laughing and
0: dancing; and they don't have to be wearing their. Poise. <laughs> yes, and they have special tampons now. To yes, help with this, have yeah. you seen those? Yeah, those actually didn't work for me. They made it worse. They made it worse, I, but I do know that they, yeah. So I tried using those during my heavy well, deadlifts, and that might be innocuous. because
1: you're over, you know, if you're overusing your muscles, so it's not going to help,
0: right? Yeah. And so I know some people have found help with those, but still, I mean, you, what you're saying is you don't need those. Those are band-aid make solutions, your, exactly. So we yeah. can make our bodies function properly and not yeah, need these things, and that's exactly. so great, I'm sure, for people to hear. Um, because it, it should be feel a that way.
1: It is a little bit daunting to go into your first appointment with a with a um, a pelvic floor physical therapist. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're, you know, you talk you're talking about things that are uncomfortable for you to acknowledge and talk about. And it's a part of our bodies that we don't necessarily, or we're not the most comfortable with, but, um, yeah. I promise you that by number, you know, visit number two or three, you should be like, Oh my gosh, this is going to change my life. And you should be excited to go.
0: That's fantastic. I, I'm excited for people to hear this. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> So does this change at all with age and with menopause? Does any of this um, sure. incontinence and what can be expected talk about that for, for a sure. bit? So
1: um, estrogen is actually uh, a hormone that helps kind of plump up your muscles. So actually the, in, for, for um, women who breastfeed, we actually call it a mini menopause because there's a lack of estrogen in the muscle tissue as well, which is also why when you're training, um, postpartum, you have to be a little bit careful as well because um, your hormone levels have fluctuated. So mm-hmm. during menopause, we do find there is a thinning of the of the muscular tissue, the pelvic floor muscular tissue. And so, if there was any underlying issues, even if you didn't have symptoms beforehand, because a lot of uh, you know a lot of them don't get assessed um, mm-hmm. until there's a problem, right? Right, but if we really encourage people at their six-week postpartum checkup to get assessed. And even if you've never had babies, get assessed because you don't want to find out too late that there's an issue. And so with menopause, once, there's, once we've kind of taken that estrogen that was plumping up the, the muscle um, and we start to take that away, we st- any underlying weakness or um, pelvic floor dysfunction starts to get uncovered and then all of a sudden you have symptoms. Got it. Um, another thing that comes along with menopause is it's often um, a number of years after having babies, and like I said, these are muscles, right? Use them or lose them. If you've been spending, you know, your whole life and you haven't been training these muscles, um, then at a certain point, the weight of these organs does start to, you know, they these your organs are held up by ligaments and by your muscles underneath them. So the ligaments are above them. So your uterus, your bladder and your um, rectum are actually held up by uh, these ligaments. And over time, if the muscles below are not doing their job, then those ligaments start to stretch. And that's why we start to see um, women requiring bladder lifts and hysterectomies because over time, those organs start to descend down into the vagina. So Got if it. you would just do your jo- the job of strengthening those muscles and keeping those organs in place, um, then we can prevent um, you know, bladder lifts and pelvic floor lift surgeries and hist- the hysterectomies that a lot of women are having.
0: Does it get to the point where you can't do that anymore? Like the surgery is necessary because you're so prolapsed so far. Is that something you see, or is there always a point of return? So there, um, we say with pelvic, so we, we actually grade pelvic organ prolapse. Um,
1: there are different grading systems here in Canada. We grade it based on a four point system. Um, mm-hmm. And a grading of three or four is when the organ is actually, a grading of three is it's coming out of the vagina and four is it's mm-hmm. fully out of the vagina. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, there, at that point, I'm not going to be able to train it back up and in, but we mm-hmm. can improve your symptoms. Um, there, are, there are devices called pessaries that can actually hold. We, you put in place into the, into the almost like a tampon mm-hmm. um, and they're different shapes. And they can they hold your organs in, but yeah, at a grading of three or four, that's often surgical unless mm-hmm. um, a woman opts to just use a pessary for the rest of her life and hold it in place. Got it. It's kind Got of like it. a sports bra for your vagina.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> that so is an interesting
1: thing to think about. Yeah, we have we have some we have some women who you know want to run, and because of the pressure with running, um, their prolapse. Um, it, it's a lot of pressure on their pelvic floors. You want to make sure, first of all, that your pelvic floor can withstand that pressure. But mm-hmm. even ones with pelvic floor training, um, there's, you know, they often need an additional support. And so they'll use a pessary. Um, there are other uh, training techniques. There's something called hypooppressives um, mm-hmm. which is a, ne- it's called it's negative pressure fitness, where they teach you to create um, a neg- um, an apnea, which is a breath holding technique Mm-hmm. Um, and you practice that a couple of um, times every day as well. Um, some women have found um, some positive um, results with that as well. Um, but everybody's different. So there, there's, there's a lot of stuff we can do. Um, but there is a certain point where surgery is definitely on the table. And we encourage people to uh, do prehab, the same thing like you would do before a knee surgery, Right. Go train your pelvic floor beforehand, and that way you'll be in a better situation to retrain
0: it afterwards. Got it. So it seems like then it's important to not ignore these symptoms early on, because right. this sounds like the surgery is preventable early on. Yes. And then you don't find yourself in this position where that's kind of your best option. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say absolutely.
1: Listen, there are some... Um, childbirth experiences where women go in without prolapse and they do have pro they have significant prolapse afterwards mm. and so you know they're kind of faced with this decision earlier on but that's why we encourage women to get assessed even if you're not pregnant get assessed learn how to actually use your pelvic floor muscles for delivery and um throughout your pregnancy um and learn how to use them properly uh, you know chronic constipation can also cause prolapse So bearing Mm -hmm. down every day of your life can also cause these symptoms. So Mm -hmm. learning, they're just another part of your anatomy. Learn how, the same way that you would go and, you know, train your, like I said, your bicep muscle, learn how to train these muscles as well.
0: So important to hear. So I want to turn away from the idea of incontinence for just a little bit here. We have a little bit of time left. I would love to hear from you a little bit. I've read some about, and you, you talked earlier about how it's this pressure system in our body, so about female athletes and how they yeah. can use their pelvic floor muscles to enhance their performance. Talk to us a little bit about that. So, I, I you know, it's interesting
1: because we have, in, in my clinic, we see a lot of women um, prenatally and postpartum, a lot of women during menopause, but we see a lot of high-level athletes as well because there's a, you know there's a lot of pressure going through that system when you're Mm -hmm. working your body day in, day out. And what we find is that um, a lot of these athletes are, they are go-getters. They are go, 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 go. And what they, what we find is that they are actually similar to um, many other women. They're just clenching their pelvic floors because all we've been told is go, 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 go. Um, And one of the things that we, encourage our athletes to do anyhow is to stretch after every uh, training session. Mm -hmm. And so what we'll have them do as well is do some of those breathing techniques to make sure that they're
0: releasing their pelvic floors after every single, um,
1: after every training session.
0: Got it. So stretching the pelvic floor muscles, not just the other muscles exactly. that you might be thinking about. Exactly. Um, and one of the ways that we
1: train um, the pelvic floor to participate and to provide stability throughout each of your exercise activities is to exhale with exertion. So um, when, you're, when you're weightlifting, you'll inhale, exhale, lift. That's generally how we do it, right? Unless you're lifting really heavy and then you're doing a little exhale and you're, you're breath holding. Is that correct?
0: What we would usually on the, what you said on the exertion part is when you would breathe out. Yes. Okay. So, so we do the same thing for the pelvic floor. So you inhale,
1: exhale, and you would actually teach you to Kegel on the exhale. But the pelvic floor is something. So we call that the core breath and inhale diaphragmatically, exhale, lift. But I don't want you doing that. Once you're, once, you know, we, we teach you that when you're lifting two pounds. But once two pounds is too easy for you, I'm not going to teach you to keep doing that when you're lifting two pounds. That should become automatic. We, we want to retrain the automaticity of the of this whole system. So then we t- teach you, well, now you're lifting five pounds. Now do that. Now you're lifting 10 pounds. Now do that with the 10 pounds. But once you're doing it with 10 pounds, you shouldn't be doing it with five pounds anymore. You should just be oh. inhaling and exhaling. So we actually want you – What um, where people kind of get hung up is – you know, once they learn the inhale, exhale, Kegel, and the inhale, exhale, Kegel lift, they do it all the time. But that actually perpetuates this overuse of the pelvic floor.
0: Got it. Now, so, what kind of lift would you be using doing this? Anything. Anything. Literally now, anything.
1: Literally anything. Now, squatting and lunging, we do teach a different principle originally. But again, there should be some automaticity involved so that um, – you're not thinking about it every single time. So we teach an inhale um, when you're when you're squatting and an exhale to stand back up, and similar with a lunge: inhale down, exhale, um, and kegel and come back up. So you mm-hmm. exhale basically on the hardest part for you, right? Um, and kegel at the same time. Exactly, exactly. But once that becomes easy for you. We want it to become automatic. I don't want you to be thinking about Kegeling throughout your entire right. workout. You should be Kegeling for the hardest part, the part that's actually going to, um, that's going to put the most amount of pressure on your system. Got it. So if you're lifting heavy, though, we teach an inhale, exhale, activate your pelvic floor, and then a breath holds to lift. Got it. So it's, there's a little mini prep, and then we hold breath, breath holds to lift. And there's no Kegel involved. A, a little mini Kegel at the start okay. and then breath hold. So the breath hold is only allowed for like a rep max for when you're gotcha. lifting really, really heavy.
0: Otherwise, we want you to be exhaling with exertion. And the Kegel, and you said it starts at the a mini one at the beginning of what? At the beginning of the exhale of or the beginning, at, at, the, at the beginning yeah. of the breath hold? Yeah, so you do a
1: little hold. mini exhale, that's an inhale, exhale, and then you breath hold. So you mm-hmm. kind of
0: let that pelvic Mini-kegel. floor
1: should – the pelvic floor should, in a healthy system, reflexively come back up anyhow. And we're just adding a little bit of that of that additional strength, additional Kegel, to train those muscles to function well with that heavy lift. But when you're lifting at your max – so if you're lifting, you know, 45 pounds or whatever, that's a lot for me. So I don't know what you're <laughs> –
0: <laughs> I'm not sure. What your listeners? You know, know what we're, we're we're it depends on who they are. Beautiful. I'm a power lifter, so I lift really heavy, but Perfect. a lot of my listeners are not. So for a regular lift, you're going to
1: inhale, exhale, kegel throughout the, the throughout that lift, right? But for mm-hmm. a power lift, you're going to inhale, exhale, slight kegel, breath hold, and then lift. Got it. Now here's the caveat: if you're somebody who is already um, kegeling all the time we are not going to train you to kegel because Mm -hmm. you're already kegels we're going to focus on the inhale portion the inhale release that pelvic floor because we know that muscles work optimally when they're in their mid-range yeah so if you're if your muscles are weak and floppy and they're not and they're having a hard time getting activated we're going to cue you to activate your pelvic floor to get to that mid-range but if they're already fully contracted We're going to cue you to inhale and release. Does that make sense? I think
0: I just lost you. I I lost you. I lost you just for a second, but I I heard most of what you said. So do you find that women find it hard to um, do the inhale and release? Like, it seems like that might be a hard thing to learn. Yes. And the thing is... um,
1: but when we think about our pelvic floor, we've really only like, – like, Kegel is really the one thing that comes up. Nobody has ever conceived the fact that these are muscles like any other, and they need to go through full range of motion, right? Muscles, in order to work, ultimately, have to be able to contract, have to be able to relax. They have to coordinate with the muscles around them, and they have to be flexible.
0: Yeah. What, well, what can – do you do anything to help them learn how to release it, or is it just a matter of practice? So that's what we do internally. We teach them – what it feels like internally. Okay.
1: So we'll say, do you feel that? That's actually released. That's actually, uh, you know, that's contracted. We do use, and this one gets people kind of, we kind of snicker as well when we say this, but I teach people a flower bloom breath. So it's a visualization. We find that visualizations work really well. Because if I say to somebody, release your pelvic floor, they look at me um, like just (laughs) like deadpan. I can imagine. Right? If you imagine, a, and we, we teach this actually in preparation for uh, delivery as well, um, for birth as well. Okay. If you imagine a flower as you inhale and you're letting your chest expand 360 degrees, you imagine a flower blooming down and out of your vagina. Oh. That allows those muscles, that gives you that visualization of that because your kegels should be actually a contract and a lift. So it should be a squeeze and a lift. So to release it, you actually need to drop those muscles
0: down and allow them to widen. That is much more um, be able to understand. Be <laughs> I can understand I you. what you're saying now yes. versus just saying, you know, relax your pelvic floor. Right. That's, that's right. fantastic.
1: Because we, we, we have very little, you know, I, I will have people put their hands on their crotch and sit on it and feel what it feels like because people know what, you know, we, we're not in touch with this area necessarily as a muscular area. Yes. So learning that their muscles and what that contraction feels like, what that relaxation feels like is really really important. We have no proprioception. We have no sense of where those muscles are in space. And so starting to try to visualize and and connect those muscles with the visualization is really important.
0: That's fantastic. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being here today. (laughs) I I have learned so much and I know other people are going to learn so much from this, um, you know, about just being aware of this, about knowing that, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be our normal, that we're, you know, wetting ourselves and that there is help available and so many great things here. If people are looking and they're interested in finding you in particular, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So
1: we are active on social media. Um, my clinic is Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness. So you can find us on Instagram. We're at Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness. or on Facebook at Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness Toronto. Um, and uh, you can find me on my website, vitalphysiotherapy.com. Uh, or if you wanted to contact me, My name is very challenging to pronounce. It's C-H-A-N-A at
0: vitalphysiotherapyandwellness.com. Got it.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. All right. Take care. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Big, big thank you to you for being here today. And, of course, thank you to Hannah Ross for your wisdom and your guidance on such a sensitive subject. If you listened and enjoyed this episode, if you learned from it, please share with those who you think would benefit from it. And also, if you would head on over to iTunes, it would be a huge favor to me if you would leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps to get the podcast um, in front of other people. I will talk to you next week on the Fitness Simplified Podcast.